morning is from the book of Genesis, chapter 17, and the first eight verses. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, Al Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And the whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know if uh, many of you remember the singer Amy Grant. If Put your hand up if you're as old as me and you remember Amy Grant and you're growing up. Amy Grant sang a song which uh, I grew up with, um, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, um, which is the theme of our service today. And uh, that was a kind of backtrack for my kind of teenage and university years and going through. And so that song and the words that associated with it. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've sung them and felt God speaking to me and felt his presence with me and been able to worship him. And what I kind of hope today is that as we reflect on El Shaddai, El Shaddai can become as a name, kind of like a gift to each of us. A gift to those who are going off to university that you can carry with you. A gift to those of us who are going through struggles in caring for people. And sometimes it's very painful. A gift to those of us who, as uh, somebody in our, the last congregation I was at, is about to have a baby in a few weeks' time. And all the trials and, and struggles and joys that lie ahead. A gift to her to take uh, through it. A gift for us to take out into our workplaces uh, for those moments uh, when we face challenges. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you uh, reveal yourself to us through many names. And particularly today, help us to be uh, hearing your word as we reflect on the gift of this name, El Shaddai. In Jesus' name we pray it. 
Amen. So, what's in a name? Okay, I've got a chance to sort of see. You can prove how clever you are. Who knows what an aptonym is? Hey, or a euonym. Does someone know? Did I see a hand up there? No, no, she's uh, put her hand down very quickly, whatever it was. The clue, in the, the clue is in the name with aptonym, because we think of something which is very apt, and nim reminds us of name, a kind of apt name. And an aptonym is a name that reflects the personality of the person that it belongs to. So kind of El Shaddai, hopefully, as we will see, reflects something of the personality of God. But I did find one or two, and I thought they were funny, so I'm going to share them with you. There's uh, the BBC meteorologist, who's called Sarah Blizzard. (laughs) There's a German psychologist, I discovered, whose name is Jules Angst. (laughs) I do like this one, the American lawyer, whose name is Sue Yu. (laughs) Or the meat manager, Brad Slaughter. And my my personal favourite is one of... This is quite true that one of the press secretaries for the Obama administration, his name is Josh Ernest, which could roughly be translated as just kidding, seriously. (laughs) And it is amazing, isn't it, how often people's names are apt. Oh, yeah, Joe Vickery! (laughs) And he's pointing there! There you go, an aptonym. And you know, names are really special. Uh, that's why I always regret that uh, with Susie, uh, and she's getting her revenge on at the moment because she's not really contacting us from South Africa, but don't worry, you can, you can make us feel better later on. Uh, we kind of ruined her name, which we love, Susanna Katie, because we always used it when we were cross with her, which is really stupid, isn't it, when you think about it? So whenever we call her Susanna Katie, she says, oh, no, you made me cross. I don't like that. She likes to be Susie Katie. But names have a kind of resonance and a power within it. And they do have power. If you know someone's name, it gives you power over them, especially if they don't know your name. And they know that they ought to, and they're trying to remember. (laughs) There's a very peculiar joy in that, isn't there? But of course, none of you have ever experienced that. I always have it on the the other way. And certain names can make us laugh, and some can make us cry. We all of us have uh, precious names and people who are not with us. And when we hear their names, they evoke emotions in us. And in the Old Testament, as we've been seeing and exploring, God reveals himself through different names. And today, as we think about El Shaddai, the question is, what makes this name special? What makes it stand out from all the others? Now, although God is described in the Old Testament 48 times, I didn't count them, somebody else did it for me, as Shaddai, or Almighty. The name El Shaddai only appears seven times. And six of those are in the book of Genesis, and the seventh is right at the beginning of Exodus. And that reference in Exodus refers back to Genesis. So it kind of puts it all into Genesis. And at the beginning of Exodus, we're told that this name El Shaddai was the name that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the three patriarchs or founding fathers of Judaism, knew God by. And the first time that it's revealed comes in our reading, which we have from Genesis 17 and verse 1. And it comes at a time of 
crisis and struggle. And Abram was uh, promised uh, by God that he and Sarah would have a child. And they've kind of lost faith. He's 99 years old and she is equally old and barren. And this promise isn't going to come true and he doesn't, you know, he's really struggling. And so God at that point comes to him and this time he chooses to reveal his name to him as El Shaddai. It comes again in uh, Genesis chapter 28. And this time, as God reveals himself as El Shaddai, it's in the context of the story of Esau and... Sorry, (laughs) Jacob and Esau. And you know the story of how Jacob stole uh, his brother's birthright and got his father's blessing, that covenant blessing which was coming uh, through subterfuge. And afterwards, is taken uh, by fear, and uh, it's concluded that he needs to run away to his uncle Abraham. Uh, my goodness me. <laughs> Laban. <laughs> In order to escape from the wrath of his brother. And at that point, uh, Jacob blesses him. Isaac blesses him. My goodness, I was struggling this morning. Isaac blesses him and blesses him in the name of El Shaddai. So again, it's at a moment of great crisis that this name, El Shaddai, is given to them. It comes again in 35 verse 11 where Jacob has been reconciled with his brother and he goes back to Bethel, the place where he had met with God. It means the house of God. He's come to pray and to remind himself of God's faithfulness. And again, in the midst of great struggle because the people around them were uh, causing a threat to them from the Canaanite peoples and they feared for their lives. And immediately after this, he goes out and faces tremendous pain with the death of his wife Rachel in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin. And again, he's given this name El Shaddai. And there are three other occasions that come in the book of Genesis. And all of them are at these moments of crisis and challenge, but also moments of opportunity and new beginning. So it's very clearly a special name, a name that, that is precious because it's been recorded, because it's appeared in these moments of struggle and pain. So what does it mean? Well, there are a number of meanings because people are always are not sure about it, so the safest way is to actually probably hold all of those names that come from the Hebrew. One of the words that it, uh, it's related from, Shaddai, comes from a Hebrew word, Shaddad, which means power or destruction or destroying, from which we get the translation Almighty. But Shad in Hebrew also refers to the mother's breast. And of course, for a child growing up, the mother's breast is the source of all its nourishment, all its satisfaction, and all its needs, and all that it needs to grow and to develop. And this morning, Bob Southgate, in his prayers, reminded us that there's another route that Shaddai is also related to the Hebrew for mountain, a place of strength. And we can sum it all up by saying that El Shaddai means God is the all-sufficient one. Last week, uh, Johnny observed to me during the last week, and it's been lovely to see how God has been speaking uh, to him. And, and actually, do you know, it's 
awful, isn't it, when your parents and your, young, your children or your young people suddenly start showing you up in terms of faith and start inspiring you and, you start, and start making you and challenging you to think about how your faith needs to develop. And come on, Dad, get your life together. Get your, get your faith in action. That's what it feels like. It's good. But he said to me, he said, you know, it's just amazing when you discover that everything you need is in Jesus. That everything you are and your identity is to be found in your relationship with God and in understanding that he loves you and has accepted you and made you worthy. And I kind of sat there, you know, how? wow, this is amazing. But that is that truth, that all-sufficiency that actually we don't mind what anybody else thinks or anything else happens if we know ourselves in God. Because if God approves us and loves us, nothing else matters. And so for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were reminded again and again that God was their all-sufficient one. And it's a name that's been imbued with a particular power through not just one lifetime, but three lifetimes. And you know, there is that inheritance of faith that comes on. And sometimes particular names of God will be there to comfort us and encourage us, or words of Scripture. And I spent a bit of time thinking about what name of God means the most for me. And uh, after a short time, I realized it was... uh, at the moment, at any rate, the Lord is my rock. Psalm 18, verse 2, you're my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. And I always hear that through the medium of a song. Uh, You are my rock in times of trouble. You lift me up when I fall down. And I remember singing that song at times of crisis in my life. Uh, One moment when, uh, I can remember it, when my father died and when we lost a niece and things were really going through, that in that moment of pain, I remember being in a church which I was visiting where I wasn't preaching or doing anything. We were singing uh, that song, You Are My Rock in Times of Trouble. The tears were streaming down and I knew that in that moment and that place, God was my rock in times of trouble. And at different times in my life, that word has come back to me and reminded me that that is where I stand and where I can find grace. So, a little bit of work for you. Just think for a moment, inquire on your own. Which name or idea or concept about God keeps coming back to you? Which is most important for you? And then in a few moments, you're going to share it with somebody next to you and bless them with how... God has revealed himself to you. So thinking time starts now. Okay, enough of that enjoyment. Uh, I hope that you have felt encouraged by uh, discovering what's uh, important and names that are there for for other people. It may be that uh, I talked about El Shaddai as this name of God as the all-sufficient one that we can take with us uh, wherever we go. And just remember, it might be through the words of a song or something like that, maybe a gift for you to take with you, but there might be something that you've heard from somebody else that you might also want to take with you through the weeks that come. Uh, 
as we come uh, towards the end, uh, I'm not going to say finally because everybody thinks it's finished, but as we come towards the, the end of what I want to share with you, um, there are uh, just one thing I wanted to highlight to you from uh, Genesis 17, that when the Lord appears to Abraham, he says, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai, walk before me and be blameless. Not only is there a promise of the covenant and of God's presence with him at that moment, there is also a calling on his life. And so when we hear the word El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, it is also about God's calling on our lives for what he wants to do with us in the future. And that involves transformation and growth. And so for the guys who are going off to university, it's an opportunity for growth and for new challenges. And the all-sufficient one who has called you will also equip you for that journey that you have to go on with. For those of us who are going through difficult times, uh, sometimes it doesn't feel as though God is there. And yet, God, the all-sufficient one, is there for us. And Johnny, I hope, has got onto the, diocese, the, the Christchurch Facebook page. And he's going to show, if it's working, up on the screen, one of the pages from it. Yeah! And I kind of, I found that, and I posted it on there, and I kind of quite liked it. Your plan, we all, that's how we think. Uh, should God be blessing us? I've, I've found many Christians who think, I've become a Christian, now life is just going to be like that. And then God's plan, which really does look rather less appealing. But the point of it, and if you're not on the Christchurch Downland Facebook page thing, get on it and share things on it and do that. It's a great place for kind of learning. But what it reminded me is that God, the all-sufficient one, is with us when we go through those depths. And actually, my experience and the experience of many people is that it's in the, it's in the dark places that we discover the truth that God is almighty, that God is all-sufficient. Although at times, it feels like we're in the water and we're swimming and we can't get out. But that is an opportunity as well as a challenge. And, you know, we all go through those times of darkness. I think that I have been through uh, a time of darkness. Uh, someone up there has just been through a lot of darkness in the serpentine. I'm glad to see she's still well and healthy. Um, but there probably were moments on that swim when actually you could have done with God your all-sufficiency to help you shine. Welcome. Um, but in those times of darkness, we can discover God afresh. And I'll be honest with you, I've been honest on others. I think in the last year, uh, since I traveled to India and saw the scale of the environmental destruction that was going on, uh, with the breakdown of uh, so many of the uh, things that we've held dear and have been part of our security, I've been feeling very dark inside. And I've looked at the suffering and I've started being questioning, where is God in all of this? And can I really trust God through the real challenges that are there? And I've looked at the future for my children and wondered what it holds. And I was in Uganda last week. I can't believe it's only last week, but I was in Uganda last week. And on this trip, one of the things that I felt God restoring to me was something of the joy of salvation and of confidence. One particular person who was with me, every time I made a negative comment, said, Chris, don't forget God is sovereign. 
God is in control. Yes, I know it looks bleak, but God's in control. And I'm thinking, oh, shut up. But she kept saying, God is in control. And I began to hear that message again. Even though you've been through all of this kind of stuff, all of the doubts that you have, it's in those dark places that we discover that God is our all-sufficiency and he calls us. And one story that I heard reminded me of this amazing God that we follow and the gospel that we have and the hope that we have. So as I do finish this time, I'm going to share this story with you. Uh, It has a personal thing because this uh, guy who's a retired bishop in the Church of Uganda called Edward Mahima came up to me and was very excited to see me uh, because apparently my dad had overseen his placement when he was studying at Theological College, so he wanted to shake my hand. But then he was speaking to this uh, gathered convention of thousands of people, and uh, he spoke about a young man who, in Uganda who had a really fierce temper as he was growing up. And uh, used to get very, very angry. And he grew up, and in time, he married and had a wife and a child. And one day, he got drunk, and he came home, and he got so angry with his wife that he started fighting, and he killed her accidentally. And then, in his fear and anxiety of being caught out, he killed his son because he'd witnessed it and disposed of the bodies and hid them. And he told the whole community that uh, his wife and son had just run away and he didn't know where they were. Many years later, uh, he came to uh, a Christian rally in the East, what was in the East African revival, heard people preaching about the word of God and about what God could do, and of the importance of confessing your sins. And he felt God speak to him and say, you have sinned, and you have to confess it and repent. And so he repented and confessed uh, the sin that nobody knew, that he had killed his wife and his child all those years ago and he broke down in sorrow. And then, having received that prayer and forgiveness, he walked, he returned to the community, which was a long way away, where he'd grown up, and he went to the court and to the judge and he turned himself in. He said, I've come because I need to confess that I murdered my wife and child all those years ago and I am here to pay the price. And the judge looked at him and said, why are you here? Because... Nobody knew, and you know that the penalty is death. And he said, I met God, and he forgave me, and that is all that I need, and I know that I have to put it right, so I am here to pay the price. And the judge looked at him and thought for a while, and then said, if Christ has forgiven you, how can I condemn you? go away, your sins are forgiven. That man walked away from there a free man, free in every sense, and became uh, a preacher and evangelist across the whole of Africa, transforming lives. El Shaddai, whatever we have done, whatever our background, whoever we are, we can come to the God who is our all-sufficiency, who forgives us for everything, lifts us up and calls us to new life, which may take us anywhere. So that gift to all of us is the gift of God himself, of his name, that I am your all-sufficiency, wherever you may go.
Amen.